Welcome to Out on a Limb, where traditional finance and the new digital economy converge with a sense of history. My name is Tim Enneking, and this is episode 32. Today is April 18th, 2023, and it is 4.30 in the afternoon on the West Coast of the United States. Three topics today. Uh, this past week has been a little bit quieter than some of the very exciting weeks before. That's probably a good thing. So the first topic is uh, the SEC bringing action against Bittrex, which is a U.S. exchange based in Seattle. And it's fascinating what the SEC has decided to do. This is an extension of uh, regulation by enforcement because these exchanges, crypto exchanges, have been around for a decade and there have been no actions brought against them like this. There was an action against Kraken for um, its earnings uh, product, which was deemed to be basically you invest and you'll get a fixed income, essentially like bonds. So probably a decent argument there, depending on how it was done. And Kraken did it away by pooling. That made it almost inevitable that it was going to be a security. But this is something different because the SEC said that, okay, Bittrex, you're trading in securities. And so, of course, it had to cite which securities, and it cited six of them. Uh, Two of them, Dash and Algo from Algorand, are actually traded on a lot of other places, including Kraken, including Coinbase. Four others were OMG, TKN, NGC, and IHT are much less well-known tokens, although OMG had some traction about three, four years ago. So now you have a question as to... If the SEC, after literally a decade of these companies working, has suddenly decided that, all right, they're legal exchanges, what, what is the basis for that? Why, why now bring this up? And I stick by some of my theory, which was you know, the SEC has hired, hired 20 people who, who are specialists or can be trained as specialists in the crypto area. And a couple of weeks ago, I read an article that actually they're expanding that team. And of course, they have to find a reason to justify their existence. And they don't justify their existence by finding everyone in compliance. So anyway, uh, Bittrex is the first up. Why is it the first up? It's sort of interesting. Bittrex has other issues. It's been accused of money laundering. Um, there have been some uh, KYC issues. Uh, other compliance issues that have brought attention to Bittrex from other enforcement agencies, the uh, Office for Foreign Asset Control, uh, the Federal Reserve, I think it's the Federal Reserve, I'm not sure, but a couple of other uh, federal agencies have taken a close look or are in the process of taking a close look at Bittrex. And so perhaps that moved it first in line. But the question is, what is the difference between what Bittrex is doing and what Coinbase is doing, what Gemini and Kraken are doing. Who is next? Uh, One of the uh, predictions I made about two months ago in February was that there was going to be a backlash against the SEC for its uh, regulation by enforcement. Or in other words, having the exact same laws on the books, but changing how... Uh, the SEC enforces them, in particular with respect to crypto companies. So the the backlash has started within the SEC, actually. There are five commissioners. Three are Democrats. Two are Republicans, or at least Democrat-appointed 
and Republican appointed. And these last enforcement actions, the recent ones against crypto, have been voted on by the commission three to two. Uh, the, the person who's leading the fight against such enforcement actions is a woman by the name of, of Pierce, who sometimes get called crypto mama, although I don't really believe she's so much a crypto supporter as she is a free market supporter. And she was livid uh, against this enforcement action. Uh, once again, this has happened before, there was a Republican representative who in introduced an, uh, a bill into Congress that pa has almost no chance of passing that calls for Gensler, uh, the current head of the SEC, to be replaced. But there really are some issues here. Armstrong, who's the, who's the CEO of Coinbase, came out and said, we're actually thinking of moving. Or more precisely, when asked about moving, he said nothing is off the table. It would be a major effort for Coinbase to move. It would be an even bigger effort for Coinbase, or bigger cost for Coinbase, to give up U.S. customers. And Coinbase is a publicly traded company, unlike Gemini and Kraken. So it would pay an enormous uh, price and arguably uh, would, would get into securities laws trouble if it had to, uh, if it actually decided to move, it might have to take itself private first. But the, the bottom line is that there are a lot of uh, crypto companies, including a couple that I've set up, that are deliberately not setting themselves up in the U.S. because of all these very, very uh, unpredictable actions. The most frustrating thing, and Pierce uh, cited this, is that there are uh, all of the exchanges and a lot of other companies, crypto companies, have come to the SEC and say, hey, talk to us. How can we get into compliance? And the SEC provides little or no information, uses the opportunity to gather information on whoever comes to them, and then in the case of Coinbase, for instance, issues a Wells notice, which says we might, be, we might begin a prosecutor, prosecutorial action against you. So it, it's really not, it doesn't appear to be, the SEC does not appear to be cooperating, trying to improve the situation so much as driving crypto underground, which is, is not going to happen because there are plenty of countries, um, the Emirates, the most recent one, that uh, are very, very favorable to, to crypto. And the Emirates have a unique situation over some of the others, some other countries that have tried to become centers for crypto, such as Hong Kong, Malta, Singapore, Gibraltar, and others, because it's a bit more of a centralized economy. So it's easier to line up regulations that are ap applicable to crypto with banking regulations, which was the, the cognitive dissonance in a lot of other jurisdictions that wanted to become crypto favorable in, in particular Malta. So it's already happening that the U.S. is driving away business in what one day will almost certainly be a, an important part of the business sector. We're still waiting for the, the, the app that will cause it to blow up in the, into, into the fiat sector, into the regular economy. But the crypto economy itself is growing bigger and bigger and is enough uh, to already become relatively important. So what happens with U.S. crypto investors or want-to-be U.S. crypto investors? There won't be any exchanges left in the United States, except if, let's say, Charles Schwab decides to 
sell these various tokens. The problem is the SEC wants to divide settlement with broker-dealers, with exchanges. In other words, it wants to take a completely traditional approach to crypto, and one could do that. But in doing that, you actually kill off a bunch of the advantages of crypto. So what's going to happen is everyone, literally every exchange is going to move outside the United States. And U.S. investors are going to be forced to lie that they're not U.S. investors. They're going to use VPNs. They're going to, if they have another passport, they use, use it, et cetera, et cetera. They're really going to have to bend over backwards, which means, of course, the vast majority of U.S. investors won't have any access to crypto. Again, probably not a desirable outcome. Um, and certainly not a desirable outcome for crypto. So now it seems this may be the beginning of the backlash against the SEC, we will see. But the backlash is a little bit unfair because really it's not up to the executive branch of which the SEC is a part to change laws. They can change rules, they can change interpretation, and that's what they argue is going on. So either the judicial branch or the legislative branch is going to fix this. Judicial branch, because you'll have more cases where XRP and Coinbase are taking the SEC to court, and the judicial branch is going to end up changing the interpretation of laws in a way that is binding on the SEC. Or the other branch, in separation of powers, the legislative branch, will do what it really ought to do in this case, which is pass a comprehensive law covering crypto. But Congress is is deadlocked in the first place. And secondly, there's probably not a consensus in the United States as to what to do. So the action against Bittrex has just made the U.S. a even less desirable jurisdiction. And I can speak to this personally because I'm the managing partner of a, of a VC uh, fund that does blockchain and crypto. And we recently made an investment in a company that's trying to buy a federally chartered bank. And it wants to be, uh, wants to make that bank open to crypto, but taking, say, a more conservative approach than was taken by Signature and Silvergate. And the, the, the issue there is when we were making this investment, is ended up, we ended up cutting it back because my partners, neither of whom are, French, are U.S. nationals, they're French nationals, were very, very concerned about the legislative climate in the U.S. So it's not only discouraging the creation of new companies, it's also reducing uh, foreign direct investment, in this case, into the United States in crypto and blockchain projects. Not a, a good happening, and it's, it's happening incrementally without clear rules, without a clear roadmap. Enforce all, all you want, but make the rules that you have to play by clear in advance, and they just are not. Uh, or you're saying, all right, you have to suddenly tomorrow, after being around for 10 years, play like an absolute regular security in which case, why do we have crypto in the first place? So it's, it's really a contradictory, difficult stand for the SEC to apply, and more than a bit unfair without any, without any real notice and clear idea of how rules are going to be enforced in the crypto space, especially where some of those rules really don't fit. Second point was just, just it's a fascinating little tidbit. On a week ago, on April 11th, I listened to a CNBC interview with the CEO of Barrick Gold. And I didn't happen to, it was in my car, I didn't happen to turn on uh, the radio when, at the moment the interview began, and I listened to what I swore was an interview with a Bitcoin maximalist. 
the, the gentleman said, uh, referred to rather the death spiral of the dollar. He referred to multi, you know, to foreign governments, non-U.S. governments rather, ditching the dollar as a reserve currency. He talked about the dollar losing its status as a reserve currency, losing what it once was. And I was just stunned by this. I thought, my God, who the hell is saying this? Who talks about the death spiral of the dollar other than a Bitcoin maximalist? And lo and behold, as I said, it's the CEO of Barry Gold, one of the biggest gold mining companies in the world. And obviously, he was trying to talk up the price of gold as an alternative to the dollar. And you can see how that would be, that would sound like something a Bitcoin maximalist would say. But I was just astonished by his choice of words. And it reminded me of something I did when I worked for this company that launched the, the world's first crypto fund. It wasn't my fund. They hired me for it, but it was called the Bitcoin fund. I think it's still around. It started in 2013. And when I was in that fund, I, that we talked about launching other sorts of funds. And one of them was a hard money fund, which would have gold, silver, and Bitcoin in it which interesting idea. I was still climbing the Bitcoin learning curve at that point in time, but it was really interesting because we tried to do one. So we looked at the past two years of prices of gold, silver, and Bitcoin, and it became clear that the percentage of, of gold and silver that you had in the fund wasn't really important because unless Bitcoin was less than 2% of the fund, movements in the Bitcoin price dictated what the hard money fund would do. Now, interesting, I haven't thought about this probably in five or six years, but if we were to set up a hard money fund now where Bitcoin is, at least on a percentage basis, if not in absolute terms, more stable and less volatile than it was then, would it make sense now to set up a hard money fund and would you find investors for it? No idea, but it's an interesting concept. But again, it was just more than a little bit amusing for me to hear the CEO of a, a very old, well-established fiat company sounding like a, a Bitcoin maximalist. Third and last point in, in, a, in today's rather uh, brief uh, podcast is correlation. One of the things that I've talked about and haven't shown on this obviously because it's, it's audio only, but talked about how the correlation of BTC to fiat had plunged in the early part of this year. I'd like to update that. I've got in front of me the, the correlation for uh, BTC and, and, and the NASDAQ, and you can see that from about April of last year through until January 3rd, or just before January 3rd of this year, the correlation remained positive. The lowest it got was what I was referring to, the 0.25, and probably dropped as low as 0.2, and it stayed up around 0.85 for most of that almost a year-long period. Well, what's happened since then is interesting because it turns out April 3rd was only the beginning. The correlation went negative after that and went fairly significantly negative because the, um, or rather went fairly significantly negative and dropped off at, let's see if I can pull it up here because, yeah, dropped off at about minus 0.7 uh, during that, during that particular period. Then it scooted back up again and went to uh, 0.85, where it seems to like to hang out for short periods of time. It did almost all last year, and it moved up there slowly. It was early February that it hit that level. 
then started dropping off again immediately, went negative very briefly at the end of March, and then worked up, is marching up slowly now, and it's about to hit the 0.85 level again. Now, this is interesting because uh, this, these are 30-day lookbacks. And one of the things I have to say about correlation is that correlation in the, in the case of Bitcoin and fiat or crypto and fiat is a rather delicate thing. First of all, with any correlation, how far back you look is very, very important. If you look back a short period of time, the odds of a high correlation or very low correlation uh, are low because small volatility will, will, send, will send you off in very different directions. If you look back a longer period of time, you almost get a better view. But if you, most people look back 30 days. And here what we're doing, looking back 30 days, we see a spread from minus 7 to plus 8.5. That, to me, means there really isn't a lot of correlation. And that's been the case in 2023. It was not at all the case in 2020, uh, 2022 when it started out a little bit negative but never went negative. In fact, it never went below that 0.25 for the entire year. So a very uh, dramatic change in what's happening with crypto. And because it's going positive and negative, it's remaining slightly positive, which is a bit unusual. But if you average all of the correlation out, the negative and the positive, you end up with probably a plus 0.2 which is radically different from what we saw last year. And this is important and not surprising because since the year started, the NASDAQ is up about six or 7%, which call it, what is that, about 200 points. And Bitcoin has gone from 16.5 to over 30. So almost doubled, a huge difference. For that to happen, uh, it almost is inevitable that correlation has to drop down. The very interesting, I'll come back to this periodically once a quarter or so, and look at the correlation because if the NASDAQ is going to continue, or S&P is going to continue to move sideways, which is what I maintain is the most likely outcome through the rest of the year, and Bitcoin moves up, you obviously have to have a much lower correlation. And with that, that's the end of today's podcast. Speak to you in a week. Uh, hope you have a good one.